gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Bulls on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I am joined by always my dude Goose, aka Bull Scripted. And we are here to recap a Martin Luther King Jr. Day loss, unfortunately, for the Chicago Bulls. They drop one to the Milwaukee Bucks with the final score of 111 to 98. But in this episode, I'm very excited to bring this to you guys. We have Casey Johnson of NBC Chicago, formerly of the Chicago Tribune, joining us. And I'm very excited. He's somebody I've looked up to for a long time. Uh, I'm really happy to have him on the show. He's going to be on his way back from Milwaukee, joining Goose and I. And I wanted to do a little house cleaning before we get into that uh, to that interview. So be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at BullsOnTap. Following me at BuzzOnTap. Following my dude Goose at BullScripted. And following at ontapsportsnet. So sit back, relax. Let's get this game recap done. And uh, let's welcome in Casey Johnson. everybody i would like to welcome casey johnson from nbc sports chicago here on bulls on tap with goose and i uh casey thank you for being here so much he is on his way back from milwaukee right now after the bulls loss to the bucks uh casey how you doing man i'm doing well how you guys doing oh hanging in there you know hanging in there after that bulls loss it was rough um you know they fought a little bit but ultimately fell short bad game from Lowry Markin and uh, 0 for 7 from downtown just didn't I thought for a minute they were going to come back to that's my optimism that gets the best of me a lot and I always live with my head in the clouds so nothing surprising there but uh Goose I know you got a couple questions for KC man why don't we let that stuff fly no I mean I'm doing great despite a loss that was somewhat expected we have the infamous KCJ on the line uh to talk bulls which is awesome thank you for taking the time first and foremost and you're around the team all the time. What is the general feeling after a game like tonight where they're not supposed to win and they have only won one game against a 500-plus opponent that was without Kawhi? So how is the team's vibe after a game like tonight? Well, I mean, they're tired of losing. I actually asked that young guy very question, believe it or not. So, um, you, you know, they're tired of losing. Um, and they're obviously losing a lot. And it's a team that uh, does work hard. Uh, they practice when they do practice. They practice hard. They they compete hard for the most part. Um, I don't think anybody can question that. I guess you know Rick Carlisle a couple weeks back talked about them being, in his estimation, the hardest playing team in the NBA. But you know, one in eighteen against teams with winning records is just abysmal. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So um, it's uh, a team that that obviously had high expectations or higher expectations going into the season. And they're, they're obviously aware of how much they're falling short of those. And all they can do is keep going out there and trying to get better. But it's, uh, it's a very underwhelming season to this point. Does the anger feel like it's directed in any direction? Are they taking it upon themselves more so? Does there feel like there's any resentment towards Zach for the way that he plays? I mean, we've all probably talked about Jim Boylan and his rotations with Lowry and his schemes in general, but is there like a general 
way that they're pushing this on anybody, or are they just really putting it on themselves for falling short? No, it's it's a professional group, so they're not going to bust toss anybody. They're too smart for that. I mean, you know, obviously we asked the questions about um, Jim's rotation and, and the systems, and I think early in the season you heard some some subtle shots at the system. You know, that's we're just playing the way we're being told to play and stuff like that. I mean, everybody who covers the beat on a regular basis, including myself, has, you know, asked those questions and written about it. I mean, obviously the defensive system has been well-documented in the sense that it, it does do some positive things. I mean, they lead the league in, in turnovers forced and, and scoring off those turnovers, but it also uh, allows quite a bit of, uh, you know, unprotected rim shots and, and open corner threes. So, um, so no, no, no players, you know, take shots at, at, at coaches or players. I mean, Lowry tonight was about as strong as he's been, you know, saying how he's often just picking and popping. I mean, he didn't say it in a controversial way, but he's just said it in a matter of fact way that he's, you know, we, we just, we kept asking about how he seems to be being relegated to be a spot up shooter a lot. Uh, from my vantage point, I've seen Lowry marketing, uh, be effective when he's on the move and, I know that the coaching staff has worked to try to get him on the move and, and talk to him about cutting forcefully in the half-court sets. Um, I do think the ankle is limiting him a little bit right now, but uh, it's, this is just it, it's almost hard to watch. He's just a shell of you know what he has been in the past. And it's obviously something he and the Bulls have to figure out moving forward. Well, and I know you somewhat begrudgingly put out another article about Lowry Markkinen's minutes play and production tonight for NBCS Chicago that everybody should check out. Um, is that kind of like the hot topic for you in general right now, is kind of just monitoring how Jim is using Lowry and what he's being able to do on the floor, trying to pinpoint why we're seeing the regression that we're seeing in his junior year of his rookie contract? Yeah, well, I mean, I jokingly tweeted out, you know, that I really tried hard to not write about Lowry marketing again. But look, if, if a guy goes scoreless in the second half and he's supposed to be a franchise cornerstone and seven of his 11 shots are from three point range, it, 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 it can't be ignored. So, um, what you say, is it a hot topic? I mean, look, I go into the games with an open mind. I, you go where the story takes you and, uh, you know, anybody that is around the team knows that this is the main storyline right now. The, the the Bulls traded Jimmy Butler for Zach Levine, Laurie Marketing, and Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn is, uh, you know, started the season as a reserve. He's obviously um, starting now because of the Otto Porter Jr. injury. Um, Zach is, you know, playing at a level that hasn't been consideration for all-star um, consideration. And Lowry Marketing is regressing. There's no other way to describe it. So, you trade a you know top 15 player in the league and one of the three uh, returns from that trade is regressing in year three, it, it's a big deal. So that that's unfortunately, I mean, I joke, I mean, not unfortunately, but I, I just joke about it from like a boredom aspect. I like to be writing about other stuff, but uh, I, like I said, if he's, if he's going scoreless in the second half and, and there's still questions about how he's being utilized in Jim Boylan's system, it needs to be written about again. No, I completely agree.
You got anything for him, Buzz? Oh, absolutely. I, I just didn't know. I mean, I watch a lot of the post-game shows as much as I possibly can, but usually after every single Bulls game, we record a Bulls on tap, so I miss sometimes what uh, Jim says after games. Is there any plan to try to, you know, how you said, get Lowry on the move a little bit more to implement him more in the offense instead of making him just a spot-up shooter, or is Jim protecting him because of that ankle possibly bothering him? Yeah, I mean, I don't – that's a good question. Uh, you know, tonight Jim said that he, he, you know, Lowry had a couple cuts at the rim and, and he was playing inside-outside. I didn't see that as much. I mean, his two baskets – his only two made field goals. He was two for 11 or on putbacks. Right. So I guess he is obviously near the basket there, but they, those weren't off those weren't off dive cuts or anything like that or, you know, getting the ball in motion and attacking the rim. He did get to the free throw line four times. Uh, not a huge number, but you know those those are obviously reflective of him attacking. Um, but I just did, I didn't see it. Uh, you know, it was well documented that the other night, Saturday against the Cavs, the first play of the game was called for marking in on a on a curl off of a screen, uh, and you know Lowry probably kicked it out of bounds, which he's had some fun with. But you know, uh, over his his. Over 50% of his shots are from the three-point range this right. season, and that's well up from last season and well even up from his rookie season. So, uh, I, I obviously, everyone knows that Lowry Market has the ability to shoot the three-pointer and has gotten hot from three-point range in the past, but I, what I've seen him play at his best, that's not his game. I mean, it's sprinkled in there, but his game is that, uh, drag step, kind of one-legged fadeaway. It's um, you know a, attack coming off of screens or horns actions and and and, and scoring in, in motion, and and that's what you saw in that dominant stretch last February. So you know it's it's a better season line story, season long storyline, and it's going to continue to be until the Bulls figure it out or, or Lowry starts to play better. Right. Another question I have for you is about, you know, somebody else from the Jimmy Butler trade before we get into Zach and the all-star talk is Chris Dunn. Um, you know, when he first got here, it seemed that, that he he had that chip on his shoulder. He wanted to be a leader. It seemed like him and Zach had clashed on the floor. This year, it seems like he's really accepted his role. And now, since being thrusted into the starting lineup, it's helped him become one of the league leaders in steals. I mean, he seems to be playing with a lot more confidence. He had a uh, he went 6-for-12 tonight, 3-for-5 from downtown. Have you just seen more confidence coming out of Chris Dunn now that he's been inserted in the starting lineup? I mean, I know it's unfortunate what happened with Otto Porter Jr. and his injury, but it seems like Chris Dunn is making the most of his opportunity. And I know earlier in the offseason, I mean, in the offseason itself, in the beginning of the season, there was a lot of articles that came out from, you know, different, uh, you know, blogging sites or news sites that he was uh, looking to be – the Bulls were looking to move him. Have you uh, – have you noticed any change in demeanor in Chris Dunn? Oh, 100%. I, I, I would take it further than, than saying that, you know, it's tied into his starting. I think it was right from the jump. I mean, it was a completely different person who reported to training camp, well, even before then with those voluntary September workouts, which he was he was at. Uh, you know, his role acceptance to me is one of the bigger storylines of this season. From my estimation, he's completely reclaimed his career. Um, I think he's going to get paid this summer, you know, not an exorbitant amount, but he's going to earn, earn a, you know, a nice salary, uh, because he's embraced who he is at this stage of his career. And, you know, I mentioned those voluntary September workouts. I mean, the, the Chris Dunn that I was around last season, I'm not even sure if he would have been at those voluntary September workouts, but 
something clearly changed with Chris, um, and all, all credit goes to him. He's he's completely embraced uh, his role on this team, whether he's starting or coming off the bench, and that's to be a defensive stopper and and kind of add that toughness and that swag at, at that defensive end. And um, you know he's he's uh, he's very much well liked within and respected within the locker room. He's he's been much more. Uh, boisterous in the locker room this year than he was last year. He was pretty detached last year. He was pretty checked out at times last year. And again, all, all credit goes to him. He, he's 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 accepted it and he's put the work in. And like I said, I I think it's going to pay off for for a, a decent salary for him uh, with kind of deal this summer. Well, right. on that on that topic, we are also just under like two weeks, a little over two weeks away from the trade deadline. Do the Bulls feel comfortable matching an offer for Chris Dunn headed to the offseason, or should we be looking to see him potentially getting moved by the February 6th deadline? No, that's another good question. I, I personally think, uh, I, I mean, obviously, look, if you're as bad as the Bulls are, nobody's untouchable, right? You're listening to any offer for any player. That includes right. Zach Levine and Lowry Market. And I don't see them trading either of those players, but look, you're listening to offers for anybody on the team when you're when you're underachieving as much as the Bulls are. That said, I personally think uh, the odds of Chris Dunn being in a Bulls uniform next season are are decent, um, and I never would have said that last summer, never. Um, so uh, sure, you listen to offers between now and the deadline. I, I think the Bulls part of their due diligence is obviously knowing his market next summer and knowing what they're be, being prepared. You know being prepared to match. So also, if he's on the team past the deadline, which I think he will be, I think they'll be proactive in trying to, you know, obviously strike a deal on, on their terms. Um, but like I said, I, I, you know, to me, he's reclaimed his career. I think he's looking at a three-year deal in the, you know, $10, 12000000 million range. I mean, which sounds like a lot, but look, the salary cap's going up. It's really not a lot anymore in this day and age. Um, you know, I can see him fitting on a defensive-minded team like the Clippers, um, you know, in free agency, but the Bulls have that right to match. So um, they, they have to weigh both sides of it. You know, with the deadline, again, you're listening to anything, but the only ones that I think have a good chance of being moved are Thad Young and, and Denzel Valentine. I, beyond that, I would be I would be surprised. Yeah, we were just talking about that actually before we took the phone call with you about the trade deadline and thinking that you know Denzel was most likely going to get moved since he's been I mean he played uh, you know two minutes tonight it was you know garbage time at the end of the game but uh, you know he he's just a guy that's fallen out of Jim Boylan's Chicago Bulls rotation and uh, it it just it sucks in the aspect of a fan because you know he's a lottery pick you know he was a 14th pick in the draft um, and. Now we're going to lose him for maybe even a low second-round pick, and it, it just seems like that unless we just let him walk. I, I really wish Denzel right. would get to use a little bit more of his tools here, especially when the Bulls need some spacing because Denzel can hit the long ball. I mean, he there's some mistakes that are made out on the floor. No one's perfect. No player is perfect. But with inconsistent playing time comes inconsistent play, and I truly believe that. Plus, he battled the injury that kept him out all last year. I would I would hate to see him move, and another yeah. you know another guy that I would hate to see move too is Thad Young because it finally seems like he's getting the minutes that he wanted, and unfortunately that comes with you know Wendell Carter Jr. and Daniel Gafford being down. But 
he seems his confidence seems to be through the roof, and he had a great game tonight as well. And recently, yeah, he's been I mean, playing well. you know, yeah, I mean, he's a good player. I mean, that's that's obviously why the Bulls targeted him in, in free agency, and I mean, he's doing, you know, that's what he's been over the course of his twelve-year career. Very consistent and dur- durable player. Um, you know, I don't think it's a guarantee he's traded, but you know, the Clippers' interest in him is is legit. Um, I think they'll have other targets between now and the the deadline. So you know, it's not he's not the be all end all for him, right? For them, I'm sorry, um, but um, you know, he he fits. The thing about that Young's game is he fits on any team. So obviously, um, if there's a playoff team that thinks he's a piece that can can help them, uh, you know, uh, improve their chances of winning it all, that they'll they'll make that. They'll make that call. Uh, whether or not they can strike a deal remains to be seen. You know, as far as Denzel, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's just the, the whole situation's been mystifying to me. You know, I will say the one thing in Jim's defense is that he he has consistently gone ten deep. Um, so it's not like I mean, you can't play everybody. You can't play everybody. Right. And um, but I, I, look, as much as I love Ryan Archie Diacono. Um, you know, he's a journeyman who's on his first guaranteed contract for, for a reason. And he'll, he'll give you everything you have. And what I've just never understood about the Denzel Valentine situation is all we heard all summer uh, was, okay, here's a guy who had to miss an entire year because of that ankle surgery. He's a 40%, you know, can be a 40% three-point shooter and has the ability to playmate. And when he got his chance this uh, season in that stretch in December – albeit against, you know, some not-as-great teams. That's what he was doing. And the other thing about Denzel is I thought he was really injecting some swag and some attitude to the team. He was, you know, primal screaming and strutting around the court at times and and uh, and really playing with a exuberance and joyfulness um, that was always kind of there because he's always been a kind of a, a leader behind the scenes. But – when you get a, uh, he he has said this publicly. When you get a game that you love as much as he does, pub, taken away from you for a year, it just intensifies that dynamic. So um, I saw a guy who's not only contributing on the court, but also you know adding some emotion and some leadership and some just some uh, vibe to the to the team when when he was out there. And and uh, you know I I just it's been it's been a little head scratching at times. Jim is usually incredibly. Uh, forthright and um, transparent with his decision-making process. And with Denzel, he just hasn't been. I mean, he's, you know, when he's asked about it, he just said, well, you know, I don't, I don't, why isn't Denzel in the rotation? Because I don't want him to be. I mean, that, that's not really a reason, you know. So right, right. Um, I guess it's a reason, but it doesn't really explain the reasoning behind it. So, um, you know, I, I do know from doing some reporting and, and just being around the team that, that, uh, um, you know, some of the pre-draft questions about Denzel's athleticism, I think, have uh, have cemented themselves in, in Jim's mind. I think he, you know, but again, I when I when he was getting that chance in December, I, I saw a guy who was, you know, even with a lack of athleticism, making plays. I mean, he he sees the court well. He's a good passer and obviously a good shooter. So it's it's a, it's just it's a different it's a it's a weird situation to monitor. Right. Well, not yet, because outside of Jim's lack of seasoning comment, we really haven't got 
much more in depth of why he doesn't have Denzel out there. And if it's the lack of athleticism, well, then why are Cornette and Archie playing? So I, it really does kind of bother me because even on the bench, Denzel, despite his situation, is still being a professional. He's still there for his teammates um, on their social media. He's he's loved by his teammates. So I have to imagine from a locker room standpoint, his lack of playing time has to affect other players on the team a little bit as well because he is close with a lot of the you know players in the top tier in the pecking order on the team, though we've yet to ever establish that with this new offensive system. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I would probably say less of that because, like I said before, I mean, players, while they do like him and respect him, I mean, they, they recognize that you – like, on any, NBA, on any NBA team, you can go to rotation and say, okay, this guy's on the outside looking in and that this guy's getting screwed. I mean, you just can't, you can't play everybody. But I am glad that you pointed out his engagement because I've actually been I've, I've been trying to get around to writing that and I will at some point when I write a Denzel story here in the near future but I, I see exactly what you're seeing a guy who is uh, he's up he's supporting his teammates he's engaged in the game um, you know and and so you know I, th- I think it's it's uh, it's noteworthy that 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 he's doing that because you know he he. And I'm sure, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I know. I mean, he's publicly voiced some frustration. I know behind the scenes he's had some moments where maybe he hasn't been as professional as he can be or he's voiced some frustration. But, you know, it's it's tough when you get a game taken away from you for a year and you come back and you're healthy for the first time and you you feel like your strength, three-point shooting, is where the team lacks more often than not and you're not getting a chance to showcase that. So, I personally, I know he wants to stay with the Bulls in in an ideal situation, but this isn't an ideal situation anymore. So I personally hope, uh, for his sake, Denzel is moved by the deadline because I, I, I know I, I know he badly wants wants to be playing basketball. I think he's definitely earned it. I mean, you know, he had a like you said, pointed out, you know, coming back after that injury and showing all the emotion that he did during that December stretch, and you know, being excited to be out on the court, joking around with teammates, having a good time, you know. I hope that he either does get moved or he does work his way back into the rotation. I mean, the Bulls could use it. I mean, he was shooting 39% from downtown this year. So uh, hopefully it gets figured out, you know. Um, but with the less depressing stuff, we can move into something kind of happy because everything we've kind of talked about has been kind of sad, actually. But uh, moving into Zach Levine and the All-Star bid, I know I, I know I'm all for it, and I'm, I'm trying to put the homerism away, KC, but I, I, I can't. I do it with every – every team that I support, whether it be the Bulls, the Sox, or, or, you know, the Bears, the Hawks. But with Zach Levine, I truly think he's earned it this year. I mean, we're we're in a career high in points points per game with Zach Levine right now. I mean, he's shooting the best that he ever has from downtown at 39%. I mean, the guy's just playing out of his mind. Um, You know, what have you seen in Zach Levine's attitude this year? Is he – I mean – I know he's always been wanting to take that leadership role and be that guy, but it just seems like this year he's just really embraced it, and especially late in games. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I would uh, note that's jumped out to me from this season from him is just more the consistency. I mean, he's now he's now producing you know on a nightly basis. I think he's in a stretch of you know eleven straight games of, of twenty or more points. He obviously had that stretch. Uh, I think I believe it was six games of 25 or more uh, 
in, in this same little stretch that that has ended, but the 20 point streak is still alive. And he just, he's, he's, he's the one uh, constant and consistent in, uh, from an offense that has sucked <laughs> for lack of a better word <laughs> all season. I, you know, I mean, they, they've, they've been in the 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th offensive rating all season. And, it's just been hard to watch, but Zach has, you know, given you something to watch on, on almost a game by game basis. So I think the consistency uh, has probably been the biggest thing that's jumped out to me uh, from this season. And then um, I do think his decision-making has grown too. I think he's gotten better at not settling for threes or uh, jumpers all the time. I mean, obviously the mid range is, it's been well documented. It's pretty much been eliminated from his game because the system the Bulls are are running. But you know, I think he attacks uh, more uh, at the right times, and I also think he doesn't force as many shots. I think he's done a good job of reading what the defense is giving him, and at times deferring to teammates, and then taking over when he needs to. And yeah, there has also been growth in the late game situations. Obviously, he is. Missed some high-profile late-game situations, but he's also delivered in some. And the best part about it, and this is obviously well-documented as well, is his demeanor never changes. He, he, he embraces that make or miss. He embraces that opportunity. He embraces that uh, spotlight. And, you know, he's, he's an extremely, extremely confident person and player. And uh, we'll see if it warrants um, all-star selection. Um, I personally still think it's going to be pretty tough. Um, I think an injury replacement situation would uh, open a, almost a slam dunk, pun intended, situation for him because I do think there is some hometown bias when the commissioner uh, steps in for such situations. Um, and, and look, it wouldn't even be biased in this situation. He's clearly in the discussion for all-star consideration, and if he gets in, nobody's going to be shocked. Um, but I also personally would not be surprised if he's on the outside looking. It's just, it's just, if you start doing the numbers, there's not a lot of open spots there. So he's put himself in, in a good spot. He's in consideration and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Goose, you got anything else to ask KC before we let him go? No, I think we've taken up enough of KC's time. Uh, I do want to thank you for joining us. Uh, your insight is probably the, the, the most prominent source that I go to for all my Bulls information. So finally getting to have a conversation with you uh, is a, is a mini milestone to check off for myself. Well, you're being too kind and I appreciate it. And I will also say that uh, I, I think that we're at uh, the height of Bulls beat them. I've been doing this a long time. Obviously, I think, I mean, you're, you're being kind to me, but there are incredible sources of information from, on this beat from all different avenues. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever been on the beat when there's as many great places to get your information as there are now from Joe Cowley to Darnell Mayberry to, you know, everybody, Sam Smith, uh, you know, Cody Westerland for the score does a great job. Everybody. I'm not, I, I don't want to overlook anybody. Jamal Collier is a good hire by the, by the trip. So it's, it's a good time to be a Bulls fan because you're getting information from, from a lot of, a lot of great sources. Absolutely. Well, let's just hope that information becomes a little more positive here in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, 
Well, if they play better, it would be. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Casey, just to reiterate what Goose said, man, thank you when I reached out. I didn't know if you were going to be able to make it on, and I really appreciate you taking the time, man. I, like I said, always looked up to you. One of my favorite writers growing up. You still are. I go to you for all my information. Thank you so much for coming on Bulls on Tap, and we hope to have you on again soon. All right. Take care, guys. You too, brother. And that was Casey Johnson with NBC Sports Chicago here with Goose and Buzz, Buzz and Goose, whatever you want to call us. What a great guy, dude. Like, still on the air here, recording, finishing up this episode, but I think we asked all the questions that we wanted to ask. And, you know, he's a really great guy to have on the air because he says what he thinks. He's he's full of knowledge. And uh, I, I thought that went really well. No, yeah, the nice blend of insight that he has with his own opinions and he doesn't hold back on what he has to say is why he is uh, at least for me and has been since I've, you know, kind of entrenched myself in the bulls Twitter world, uh, the, the source of information that I trust and rely on the most. So that was a very cool experience, something that I hope we get to do again in the future. Absolutely. So everybody be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Bulls on Tap, following Goose at Bulls Scripted, following me at Buzz on Tap, and following at Ontap Sportsnet. Also, I don't really need to tell you this because I'm pretty sure that everybody that listens to our show probably already does this, but make sure you're checking out Casey Johnson's work and following him on Twitter if you're not at KCJ Hoop. He's by far my favorite Bulls follow besides Bulls Scripted, of course. That's probably my number one favorite Bulls follow, but I digress. Um, yeah, so make, make sure you're checking him out too. We'll be back. Actually, we got to review a game, don't we? What the fuck is the next game? Oh, <laughs> I, uh-huh. I forgot what the next game was because I, I, I'm fangirling. I'm fangirling over here about talking to Casey Johnson. Well, no, I mean, we we kind of skipped the Hawks game, the game that would have been great to talk to KCJ about, and a little more game oriented podcast instead of you know getting into the questions that are just relevant to the season right you know um we had to talk about a loss which kind of knew was coming the bucks are arguably the best team in basketball six right now losses on the year dude six um so our next game is against the timberwolves on wednesday gotcha. um, in minnesota no it's at home so uh, it's at home yeah it's at home Okay, so we get to watch Cat um, destroy Felicio and Cornette uh, at the United States. <laughs> oh, man, I don't want that to happen. I really don't. <laughs> I, I really hey, I don't mean, want it, that it's, to happen. It's going to be a fun game for Zach Lowry and Chris. Obviously, Lowry's done his fair share of trolling uh, with his Minnesota Timberwolves draft pictures. I don't think his confidence at that kind of height currently but, you know, it's a game that Zach wants to come out. He's going to want to drop buckets on Wiggins' head. Uh, him and Cat are really close. Uh, him and Wiggins are probably really close, too. They did kind of all grow up together there in their teens. But uh, it should be a good game. It should be more competitive than tonight, at least. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's absolutely hope so. So we'll be back Wednesday after the Bulls play the Minnesota Timberwolves. You're here on Bulls on Tap. Let's go Bulls.